Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello, welcome to this Cricket Badger India vs England daily podcast by the fans for the fans. Virat Kohli's India with Rohit Sharma, Jaspreet Bumrah and Ravi Ashwan and young starlets like Rishabh Pant and Shubman Gill. They play host to Joe Root's England with Jimmy Anderson, Ben Stokes, Stuart Broad and young talents like Ollie Pope and Zach Crawley. It's always England's toughest tour. Good luck to both sides. May the best team win. Hello everybody, welcome along. It's another edition of the Test Match Daily. I'm James Butler, the Cricket Badger. and joined today by well, two Indian and one English fan is Anand Beeker Neil Varani, representing India. Rito Maitra is our English fan. I guess I'll jump in with Rito to try and help him out on a difficult day today, Rito, wasn't it? England won the toss. They will talk about their team selection in just a few moments' time, but that was tough for England today and they didn't really help themselves either. Bold out for 205. That was a very, very average day for England at best, if I say. Yeah, there were no demons in this pitch, make no mistake. All the listeners listening to us, there were there were no demons in this pitch. It was a very fair batting pitch. There was a bit of carry in it and there were runs to be made all four English batters, Bairstow, Stokes, Pope and Lawrence got stars, but none of them converted into big hundreds and that has been a problem for England since the first test match in Chennai. And it was a real opportunity today for England, wasn't it? With uh, two on down in the series, as you say, there were runs out there for England today if they'd batted sensibly and batted well enough that pitch is going to deteriorate as we go through. So they could have used that first test match as a bit of a template. Not quite the road that we saw in the first test match, but certainly runs out there. If England could have put a decent score on the board, they could have really exerted some pressure on India, but they've lost that opportunity now. Yes, absolutely. Joe Root did his first task pretty well again. He won the toss. And I expect other English batsmen to just see out the first session and from there take it on. I don't know what has happened to them. They have got really fight, as I've said on a number of occasions now, and on a perfect pitch where the ball is coming straight. They're still missing them. They're lobbing it in up in the air and they're getting up. We'll finish off this initial bit, the post-mortem on England, um, before we move on to the Indian, uh, probably slightly happier camp. 
Rito. Uh, I, I felt at the start of England's innings today, you obviously you set the tone from the off, don't you? You know, you get through that new ball, you start getting your feet moving, you get those runs, you know, the scoreboard ticking. And it felt to me like Zach Crawley and Dom Sibley still had that third test match track in their mind when they were playing on a pitch that's actually played quite differently. And the shots that, you know, Sibley played down the wrong line, Zach Crawley trying to exert his authority on the spin bowlers, tried to hit over the top and got out, very similar to his dismissal in Sri Lanka. It wasn't clever cricket. No, that was very ordinary cricket, James. And as you probably said that they still have memories of the third test match in their mind. And it doesn't help when they play two successive tests on the same ground. They know that this ground has a history of spinning big. And they probably thought it's going to, this pitch is going to do the same. But as we saw for the first 60 overs up till T, it was a very good batting trick. And from there on, as you expect, a pitch to deteriorate a bit and there was a bit of spin there. And that's when I thought Jack Leach in, at the end of the day was not very good. Well, I'll come back to you, Rito, in, in a few moments' time to talk about England's team selection, which I can't quite get my head around either. Anand, um, over there in the US, you've had uh, first session, third session, I think, over there, and a bit of sleep in between. That's been a very good day for India, hasn't it? You know, I think all of the Indian bowlers have bowled very nicely today. Yeah, it's been a good performance from top to the bottom. Even Washington Sundar chimed in with a beautiful wicket there, you know, one that went straight on. So you're seeing just a complete performance. I thought Ishan started off well and then was a little off, uh, you know, with some of his lengths, he was a little wide and short. But really, I think Siraj Akshar and Ashwin bowled great. And it's heartening to see, you know, somebody like a Siraj, it's his fourth test match, come in and really bowl very well. This is not a learning opportunity for him. He's already there, it feels like. You know, he's cranking up his pace. I think the one that got Bearstow was 146, 147 kilometers per hour. Uh, and, you know, he's getting the ball uh, coming in and going out. So it's it's just been a great performance by everybody in uh, from the Indian bowling camp. I really like um, Siraj. We've seen a little bit of him in the IPL prior to the Australian tour. He obviously took his chances in Australia as well through personal tragedy as well the backdrop of all that wasn't it he, he showed his resolve there and his willingness to try and become an Indian player and then the chances he's, he's take he's had in this series he's taken hasn't he yeah absolutely it's really hard to break into the Indian 11 uh, when you think about the bowling riches that India currently has if you get a chance you got to really take that chance and really roll with that and Siraj has done that I think some of the coaching setup the eight tours and all have helped but it really shows that how he's a much better red ball bowler than he's actually a white ball bowler I think he could actually get better when it comes down to his IPL skills but as far as uh, test match cricket is concerned this kid is going from strength to strength and it's really been a revelation to watch a bowl Neil you look down the, the bowling figures for India today we talked about Siraj who took 2 for 45 from his 14 but the spin twins of Axel Patel 4 for 68 Ravi Ashwin taking 3 for 47 as uh, Alan said Washington Sunderbowl nicely as well 1 for 14 for him I was talking to a, a friend of mine a, a former professionals cricketer spinner who was saying that it's the speed that Axe is bowling at that is causing England all kinds of problems. I was kind of we've, we were kind of comparing it to Jack Leach late in the day and although I think Jack Leach is a little bit more scattergun Mark Lawson was telling me that uh, he felt that it's the speed that Axe bowls at in just hurries the batsman. They have less time to think about the shot selection and it's on them before they know it. And some go straight, some turn and they've got some demons in their heads as well from the, the last test match and they're playing balls that maybe he's not even bowling yet. I think that's very true. Um, I think it's also the way that Jadeja's bowled for the last few years, definitely. The fact that they can get through an over in one and a half to two minutes, they're bowling maybe 10k more than other spinners and it's on the button. It's so accurate that there isn't time to gather yourself. 
And if you try to play it off the pitch, then whatever's going to happen has happened before you've had a chance yeah. to react. We talk in, white, in one day cricket and T20s and stuff that you know, the spinners can get through their, their overs very quickly. And before you know it, a batsman's consumed sort of five dot balls or something, but you know, and the over's nearly done. It's the same with Thaksa Patel, isn't it? And and to a degree, Ravi Ashwin, in, in these kind of situations, because those balls come fizzing down, the batsman's just trying to survive. And before you know it, three or four overs have gone. You've not added to the scoreboard and the pressure continues to mount. Yeah, and maybe that's something that the England players can think about. Do that long sort of setting yourself, the sort of thing that Steve Smith does where he's got a checklist of 15 different actions to go through before he'll um, he'll face the ball. Uh, Jonathan Trott used to do similar. Give yourself that little bit of time and don't get forced by the bowler to face up when he's ready. Um, Make them wait for you. And uh, some of the England players could do that because at times it really does look like they need to gather themselves, get their heads straight, get the last ball out of their mind. A lot of wickets, maybe not so much in this test, but certainly the last couple of tests are because batsmen were playing the prior ball uh, to the one that's actually got them out. Well, today, Neil, a lot of the England batsmen got out to straight balls, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah, and that uh, was, and like you said, that wasn't in a situation. I, I could understand it last week when you got two that zip square, and then one went on straight. That's a major weapon. But on a, on a first day track where it's not actually really turning that much, getting out to a straight ball is less forgivable. Absolutely, um, and no doubt the last two tests have um, have played a part in the batsman's mind. I know Joe Root that said the right things about no mental scarring, but those kind of performances and how the bowlers really dominated over the last few tests, it can't help but get into your head. Jerry's not going to come out and say, oh yeah, we're, we're in the dressing room shaking, is he? Because, you know, you're going to try and publicly put a positive spin on it. So uh, yeah, you, you've got to understand that uh, what captains say at times and what actually is reality in the dressing room can be two very different things. It's that Badger style. Thank you very much indeed to Black Rat Cricket for their support of these podcasts. And they've joined forces with the Badger. It's the Rat and the Badger giving you a fantastic opportunity to win a classic bat. That bat could be yours. It's between 2.09 to 2.11 pounds. Butterfly, willow, handmade, UK made, and it'll come to your door, knocked in and ready to go for the season ahead. If you want to win that cricket bat and score some runs with Black Rack Cricket this summer, we need you to do three things. You need to be following the at cricket underscore badger Twitter feed. You need to be following at Black Rat Cricket on Twitter too. And then you need to email the answer of this question to james at cricketbadgerpod.com. Which player scored a double century in the first test match of the current India versus England series? Which player scored a double century for England in the current India versus England test match series? Send that answer and your name and address to james at cricketbadgerpod.com. Don't forget, you need to be following at cricket underscore badger and at black rat cricket on Twitter. Good luck, everybody. That bat could be yours. The draw will be made after the final one day game in this current India versus England series. Blackratcricket.com. Handmade English willow bats. They do have a cashmere range for bats 0 to 4. Starter kit all the way to pro level kits. They're based in Yorkshire. There is team wear available and there is a new signature range coming soon in February. Bats made by cricketers for cricketers. Make 2021 count with Black Rat Cricket.
And and as far as India concerned going into tomorrow, obviously we, we saw them finish today with Rohit and uh, and Chetishwar Pajara, the not out batsman. Was it twenty four for one at close of play? So still one hundred eighty one runs behind. And I guess England have got to really kind of g themselves up in the morning, haven't they? Jimmy Anderson bowled nicely today. They need to get the spinners Leach and Bess and a bit of root to really try and probe that Indian batting order because in the same way that England are a little bit shell shocked and not scoring that many runs, India might have won the last two test matches but there's only really Rohit Sharma that can really look himself in the mirror and say I'm in, I'm in good form at the moment yeah, absolutely true. I think, you know, Rohit's certainly in good form. And I think Kohli's had a couple of 70s, which if you look at, he's batted pretty much chancelessly. So he's, he's looked nice, hasn't he, actually, when he's played, but he's, he hasn't really turned it into a big one yet. He just hasn't turned it into a big one. Those couple of innings, he looked about as assured as any batsman has looked throughout this series. So I think the template really should be tomorrow is bat once, bat big. Uh, the pitch will deteriorate. As we know, it's India. Ball will spin. This is normal for most Indian pitches. So, you know, you want to take, take advantage of the situation situation as much as you can. I think England, you know, like we mentioned earlier, certainly missed a trick there. But for India, you know, you got to watch out, play carefully and kind of bat big. We've already seen how good Anderson is. And, you know, over the last few years, Anderson has done a great job in dispelling all of those narratives around Clouderson. He can only do well in England. Even today, those five overs he bowled, there were not a lot of run scoring opportunities. And obviously he got gill and toast. But there are still some great bowlers out there. England might be a pace bowler short. If you work through Anderson and Lee, each, play them carefully and then try to see whether there's some opportunities with Bess and Stokes you know that probably is going to be the best way forward yeah five overs from Jimmy Anderson five maidens one for naught and um, that's pretty pretty decent in even, even the ones that he did over pitch and um, because they were in a little bit defensive mode and obviously respecting him massively they ended up as dot balls as well and that's what you can get when you're a good bowler and you've got that reputation and you've got it on a string you can get away with a few more things than some of the other bowlers can Rito, in terms of England's approach tomorrow, they need to come out, as I say, all guns blazing, try and take some early wickets and just unsettle that Indian top order. If they can get Pajara, Kohli and Sharma out, say, in the first hour, they can turn the tables a little bit and put the skids under India. That's got to be the approach. And that, that might just unsettle India because, as we've said a lot, there's a, there's a lot riding on this test match because India, with that World Test Championship final up for grabs, they want to do this comfortably, don't they? They want to bat big, as Alan said, go through tomorrow into, into day three and really kind of grind England into the dirt. If India can go bang, bang, bang in that first hour, it could maybe just send the collie wobbles into that Indian dressing room. Yeah, James, as we mentioned, there is a lot of pressure on this Indian batting lineup as well. I think. They're coming on the back of, back of a collapse in the third test match and there are not a lot of batsmen who are in form. So if England can hold on to the chances, if they can take all the catches, half chances convert them and I would think they will be with a shout they have absolutely got their work cut out England tomorrow how long in Anderson got a bit of swing with this ball how long will it swing tomorrow morning as England had said at the beginning of the tour that they will play one medium seam bowler medium pace bowler and then one quick bowler but on this pitch they have looked, it looks like they're reacting to the previous pitch and they've moved away from that strategy I, I can't understand this team Rito I, I felt that the, the team they've selected for this game would have actually been a very good team last week spin heavy batting deep it would have been quite a good way of combating everything they came up against in that third test match when you look at how England's batting went with the fact that Siraj and, and Sharma got a lot of carry and and, the, and a little bit of help with the, the pace bowling and we've seen already a little bit of turn on day one and that's only going to get more it felt like a balanced team would have been a lot more of a, a better thing for England I mean Ben Folks coming in at number eight they played, played the extra batsman in Dan Lawrence probably a good job they did because he got 46 and without him it would have looked an even sorrier scorecard but they do seem to have got it a little bit wrong way around 
ground. Yeah, James, in the last test match, it looked England picked a team for the ping ball, not for the conditions there. They were far to carry, carry the way by carrying the practice wickets and they got it horribly wrong. And now it looks like they're react, late reacting to the pitch in the third test match. And I think it has, they have taken a huge gamble. It might be off and, and it might not. If it doesn't, then again, we will call for Joe Wood's head and Chris Wood's head. I don't think they're gonna, you're going to get the heads just yet. <laughs> but um, I think there's questions to be asked of Ed Smith, certainly. I mean, Neil, looking at England's team from the other side of the, the camp, it's, it did seem a very straight... When I saw the 11 this morning, I just kind of I had to double take. I kind of counted the bowlers and thought, where are they all? Um, it, it just seemed a little bit weird. Stuart Broad is going to be going absolutely nuts back at the hotel because England are really going to miss him. I think two seamers is a very, very big gamble when you've only got two spinners one of whom may or may not be trusted to provide the, uh, the consistency well, you've got a number of things there Neil haven't you in, in terms of what we've learned today England have got two pace bowlers in that team we've already had a few little doubts about Ben Stokes's fitness in terms of bowling long spells but it comes out that he's actually got a bit of a sickness bug and he didn't look well today Jimmy as well apparently and, and yeah so I mean it's a potentially that, that sickness bug if it is a contagious one that might actually get worse over the next few days yeah I mean, what I've heard is that um, they're, they're putting it politely, but it's basically the runs uh, from some spicy food. Well, it's, the only, it's the only way the England team are going to get them. Ba-boom. <laughs> if you're a pace bowler, having to spend seven hours a day in 30 plus degree heat and absolutely pound in, then that is really not the place you want to be, which puts a huge amount of pressure if there isn't already pressure on Don Best. And without being too graphic, Neil, in a big auditorium like that with 24 cameras pointing at you, you don't want to suddenly think, oh, flipping out the toilet's a long way away, do you? Well, actually, how many years ago was it? Four years ago when Australia toured, Matt Renshaw, a good Yorkshire boy that he is, had to retire Hertz due to some personal issues in that that area and had to come back in later on. Um, And you've literally, yeah, you're stuck there. You can't really do anything apart from that. That's the only option apart from gritting your teeth. Um, It'd be a really bad place to be. And I think England are going to be looking at Pajara especially and saying we need him out because if he just bats and bats and bats and um, England are out there for one and a half, two days, then physically um, they're just going to be absolutely shot. I mean, we, we've all been ill in our time, haven't we, and, and felt like we want the world to end, even though it might, might be a little dose of flu or whatever. But if you've got a, a proper stomach bug and you are out in the field for a day and a half, you can forgive the England team by the time the Indian innings finishes just to think, oh, just put us out of our misery, please. Yeah, we just want the end of this. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anyone could be blamed. And We've heard the heroic stories of people who've had to overcome stuff like this. Um, Dean Jones, Joe Root in Australia, I think, yeah. ended up passing a long time and spent spending a huge amount of time on a trip in the, um, in the dressing room. You know, for all that glory, the reality is just horrendous. And if this has gone through a number of the, the playing staff, then it's um, it's going to be very, very tough on them and on their teammates who will naturally want to compensate. I had a tweet from one of uh, my regulars today saying that uh, she felt 
um, a little bit nervous for, for poor old Jack Leach, who's obviously got Crohn's disease and kind of wants to steer away from anything infectious. And uh, he's in the middle of that dressing room. That can't be particularly easy for him either, can it? Because he can get seriously ill um, if uh, if he gets uh, get, gets a problem. Cricket's a game played with balls. You've got to look after them in the field. Badges are furry creatures. My friends at manscaped.com help you make sure it's neat and tidy down there. Oh, get rid of all that excess fur. Make sure that you're neat and tidy. Make sure everything's in the right order. Oh, feeling all good now down in this set. Oh, manscaped.com. Maximum skin safe performance, compact design, advanced engineering, ceramic blade, waterproof, and it doesn't end there. Show you care by caring for your pair. Cleansers, revivers, preservers. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code Badger. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com, get on there now. And let's talk through the, the Virat Kohli incident that we saw today. Um, we've been talking about it on our WhatsApp group. And there was uh, Mohammed Siraj was bowling to Ben Stokes at the time. And Virat Kohli felt that he had to intervene at one stage. Um, what, what's your kind of view on that from, from a distance? First of all, a couple of the actors involved in this, Kohli and Stokes, both love to get into it, don't they? They're never one to shy away from a battle. I think it gets them going. So I think it works out for both of them. But Siraj, at the end of the day, during the press conference, mentioned that Stokes said something to him. And Siraj is not particularly fluent in English. He might know a few phrases. You know, I think he told Kohli and Kohli stepped in. Now, Kohli doesn't do that for other experienced players. Like, so if Ashwin... If Stokes says something to Ashwin, Ashwin can very well handle himself. Uh, you know, Ishant can handle himself. It's Siraj, not very fluent in English, young player, just his fourth test. So Kohli kind of stepped in. I think at the end of the day, if the banter on the field, and it's it's sort of hard to tell from the TV, if the banter on the field was didn't cross certain lines and, you know, Kohli and uh, Stokes had a conversation that went back and forth, but it didn't cross lines, I think it's fine. It's it might be a little more overblown, you know, especially when we look at it uh, from the TV uh, angle. My only take on it, and if, if that is the, the kind of the course of the of the chat that we saw out there and Verat Kohli was just kind of saying to Ben Stokes, what did you say? Um, he doesn't understand you, kind of explaining it all and kind of just getting it all to settle down. Got no problem with that at all. That's fine. The umpires were obviously very, very close to the action um, and they were listening into everything that was said. So anything that happened will come out in the wash in terms of fines and, and points and all the rest of it if there was anything untoward there. But I think the only thing I'd, I'd say, Anand, and I'm a massive fan of Virat Kohli. I love watching him bat, but he's just got that kind of body language, that kind of persona that even when he's possibly doing something really harmless he looks quite aggressive he, he does. And I think that's part of his personality. So, you know, on all instances, when you hear a lot of the f- interactions with Kohli, people always talk about how nice he's off the field. But I think on the field, Kohli has got one mission and that is to win the match. And he does have that aggressive mindset. Kohli, when he was growing up, often talked about admiring the Steve Waugh Aussies. So when Kohli was pretty young, he was looking at what the Aussies were doing. And I think, you know, he certainly went for that. And this is a departure from what we saw in the past, right? When you saw a Dravid, a Tendulkar, a, a Lak- when, you know, maybe Ganguly was a little more aggressive, but but those three, you know, typically aren't people who get into it. But I think Kohli is just from a different ilk. He has followed the Aussies. He does like that sort of uh, presence on the field and he's not afraid to get into it. So I think this is also part of his personality. And I think in, in some ways also part of Stokes' personality. Stokes also doesn't mind getting into a little kerfuffle uh, from time to time. As long as, again, they don't cross any lines. I think all is good. 
Let's uh, finish off today then. Uh, obviously, day one come to an end. England 205. India finishing at 24 for one. Very much India's day today. I'm sure they'll be by far the happier of the two camps, particularly if one camp's feeling rather ill as well as feeling rather beleaguered with the scoreboard. Very much India's day today. India having kind of, I guess, what, four toes or something at Lords against New Zealand at the moment, which is obviously the, the carrot as well as the series victory. Oh, I wanted to talk to you, all three of you, really, and just get your opinions on DRS. It's something that's uh, kind of cropped up today on, on my Twitter. And I'll tell you what, guys, the Indian fans, most of most are absolutely charming, wonderful and passionate about their game. Some of them, honestly. I won't tell you some of the words that have been used to me on DMs today. That's another story. But DRS, there was the, particularly the Johnny Bairstow dismissal today. I thought from the naked eye, it looked like it might be going over. Obviously, the replay showed it was clipping. And it's that clipping bit and, and the, the fact that you can actually get two results from a set the same ball in a game. Bairstow was obviously reviewed that. It was given out on the field. He reviewed it. He was clipping. So he was he was gone. If the umpire had kept his finger down and it was the Indians that had reviewed that, it would have been not out because it was clipping and therefore deemed not to be hitting enough of the stumps. Now, how does that work? Because it's the same ball. It's hitting the same part of the stumps on the replays. It doesn't make no sense to me that you can get out or not out depending on which team reviews it. And you're obviously to a degree, keeping the umpire's original decision in that process at the moment. And you're also keeping the bad part of their decisions as well as the good part of their decisions in it. I personally would take out the umpire out of that equation. On a, on a DRS situation, I'll take the umpire's call completely out of it and a certain percentage, whatever the technology, the margins of error or whatever on the top technology demanded, whether it's 25%, 50%, 10%, whatever, of the ball has to be hitting the stumps for it to be deemed out, regardless of who reviews it. If it's a certain, a, a certain amount of that ball is hitting the stumps, that is out. If less than that is hitting the stumps or it's missing entirely, it's not out. How do you see that, Neil? Do you, are you, can you see where I'm coming from with that? I can see where you're coming from, James. I think what we need to look at is what is DRS for? There are two viewpoints here, which is, I think, where a lot of arguments come from. One is the viewpoint that you have, which is, the DRS should be like a second opinion if you go to another doctor, which is a completely independent view of the same instance um, with the added use of technology. The other viewpoint is that DRS is there to see if there is evidence that contradicts the original umpire's decision by a large margin. So, it's how much strength you're giving the original umpire's decision. If you are going to say, look, we're going to just completely ignore what the umpire said initially, someone else is going to look at this with all the technology that is available and make a completely separate decision. Then you go to how much of the ball is hitting. The decision would be the same, whoever reviewed. If you're trying to say that there's a primacy of the on-field umpire's decision, and you're just trying to see if there is a large mistake, which given that Hawkeye after the ball has bounced is going to be largely predictive, which whatever computer program you use, however good it is, there's an element of prediction in there. So there's an, a margin of error, which is where the umpire's call comes in. That's no different to the actual umpire and a human being actually predicting it at the route from the pad onwards, is it, either? So there's an, ele there's an element of prediction with both human and technology. There is, but people are um, people are saying use technology. But in saying use technology, you have to understand that technology can only be 
95, 98, 99, it's never going to be 100% accurate to what would happen. Would you trust, Neil, if you if, if it was your life depending on this and it was Jofra Archer coming in bowling at 98 miles an hour and you had to choose either technology or an umpire to judge a decision that wrapped Rohit Sharma on the, on the pads, would you prefer to go with the technology or the umpire in terms of what would save your life? I'm going to hedge my bets on that one. No, um, no, no. I, no, you can't. You've got, you've, got, you've got a gun to your head. You've got to make this decision. I think the problem with the technology is the technology is necessarily programmed by a human. And the umpires who are on the field, with all their experience through watching the match over the day, would have a very good idea of how the pitch is going to act in a way that a preset computer program cannot so that, that's why I'm saying that there's a mixture of the two. There are things that the umpire is going to miss and they're going to make mistakes. However, they are going to pick up a lot of little cues that wouldn't already have been pre-programmed into the computer because of the natural variation in how pitches are prepared. Maybe there's a slight bobble in this particular pitch that's developed over the five days. They're picking up stuff like that, which technology can't. Um, technology can take information that is given to it and can zoom in very, very minutely and use prior data to predict um, and do that very quickly. But they can't pick up everything unless we give it the variables, then it won't be correct for that particular pitch. Rita, where do you stand? Are you, I mean, Neil, the way he's arguing there, he's quite happy pretty much with the way it is at the moment. You heard what I said about, I can't understand why the same dismissal can be out or not out, and I'd take the umpire out of the equation. Where, where would you go in terms of either end of the spectrum? Well, James, on this occasion, I don't agree with you. I, I actually agree with me. I'm going to mute you then, Rita. We'll move on to Anand. <laughs> no, James, a couple, uh, few years ago when the DRS ruling on that hook, I think, was that the ball had to hit 50% of the inside of the off stump and leg stump. Then I had a bit of problem with it because we, on, a, on a lot of occasions, we would say the ball crashing into the stumps and still it would be umpire's fault. But they, they then changed it and said it has to be 50% of, it might be the outside, inside, doesn't matter, of off stump, leg stump. But now with the umpire's call, I think it actually... that. Hawkeye has said it's not 100% foolproof. And over there on marginal decisions, they respect the umpire's call as the master and they say, we are the apprentice. So in marginal decisions, we will go with you. Anand, Mike Selvey, the former player, was talking to me on Twitter today. He's very much of the opinion. He's along Neil and Rito's lines. He doesn't agree with me. Not many people do. But he was saying Hawkeye is accurate to one millimeter from seven meters out. That's not, hit, not he says, not my words or even theirs. That's independent verification from MIT in the US, insisted upon by the ICC. So what Mike Selvey's saying there is that Hawkeye is pretty damn accurate. It certainly is, but I'm actually also on the side of Rito and Neil on this. I think that margin of error makes things different. And the other point is that DRS is not a review of the appeal. It's a review of the umpire's decision. So when we look at the margin of error and we then have to take into account what the original umpire's decision was, because at the end of the day, again, it is reviewing what the umpire's decision was, not what the appeal was. But if you're reviewing the umpire's decision, do you take the umpire's decision into account? Surely you just look at the situation and, and, and without the umpire's decision, 
you and say, well, yeah, he's right or wrong. It's a fair point, but I think it's only when you look at that margin of error, right? So this is this doesn't come in all the time, but that the graphic that we see on the screen sometimes is doesn't doesn't actually convey what the technology is doing. And there might be a way to maybe improve that graphic on the screen. But to me, with the margin of error, that's where you got to start considering that. Now, is there an opportunity to maybe make that technology even better? Certainly there might be. And you know, as as we go forward, maybe you know the umpire's decision is completely ruled out and DRS is 100% accurate on exactly what's going to happen. Interesting. I will say, finish it off with a t-shirt line that the DRS was brought in to overrule the, overturn the howler. So we kind of agree with umpire Scott. I, I appreciate that, Rito, that it's to get rid of the howler. But if that's the case, why are we using it so readily then? Why are we getting six in an innings? Well, the six is just to, um, to compensate for home umpires and perceived bias, isn't it? The additional two. It would normally be four. Completely agree with me. But I just realised we had three Indians who were pro DRS, <laughs> <laughs> and it took so long, Indy. <laughs> that's, that's a first, isn't it? <laughs> who you have on your side, I think, is Sangakara, Warren, and Tendulkar. So <laughs> Neil, Rito, and Anand may not be may not have the same cachet as those guys do. So. <laughs> right, I'm going to I'll write to them now and get them on tomorrow. Anand, Neil, Rito, you can get your P45s on the way out. I'm going to go and onto Twitter now and advertise for some more fun badges. Thank you for everything you've done for me, but uh, you basically turned on me today on the uh, point of the DRS. But I'm only joking. Thank you very much indeed for joining me, Anand, Neil and Rito. Thanks everybody out there for listening as well. It's an interesting test, isn't it? But it's threatening to be another very one-sided one, unless, unless England can bounce back tomorrow. England 205 all out at close of play on day one in Ahmedabad. The uh, Indians are 24 for one. England certainly need wickets in the first two sessions tomorrow. Otherwise, India are on their way to Lords for that World Test Championship final. We'll be back tomorrow after day number two I've been James the Cricket Badger and I'm looking forward to seeing you then thanks for listening we will be back every day during England's tour of India get in touch on at cricket underscore badger on Twitter we hope you are enjoying the cricket see you again tomorrow Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.